What's up and welcome in. This is your Wednesday Locked on Syracuse podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. Free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. Subscribe to the show there. Like, comment, all that stuff. Great show on tap today, Tim. One of the best. An encyclopedia a of Hall Syracuse of Famer. knowledge. A Hall of Famer of Syracuse knowledge. A Hall of Fame person as well. We're going to be joined by Mike Waters on today's show and tomorrow's show. A little two-parter for you here talking all things the present state of Syracuse hoops, as well as what the future could look like. So today's episode, we're going to get into some stuff with Benny Williams, Frank Anselm, Jesse Edwards, just the development that we've seen out of some of these guys and what to look forward to down the road from them. So we're going to do that with Mike Waters coming up next. You are locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is our treat to welcome in uh, not just a Syracuse basketball writer anymore, the Hall of Fame Syracuse basketball writer, Mike Waters, an encyclopedia of orange knowledge, joins the Locked on Syracuse podcast. First of all, Mike, we'll get into some of your career stuff as well on, on today's show, but congratulations on your Hall of Fame with the U.S. Basketball Writers Association, a well-deserved honor. Anyone that's ever come across you, your work, or anything of the sort, knows that you are not just a Hall of Fame writer, you are a Hall of Fame person as well. So first, wanted to express our congratulations for that. Um, but I'll let you brag here, okay? I want you to brag a little bit here. I'm not bragging. <laughs> I know you're not. I know you're not, but I'm giving you the platform. You need to take your humble hat off for a second here. Who is the coolest person that reached out to you to congratulate you? Oh, Coolest? You can say us too. I mean, I know we just it's not did us. it. We're a little I, late. I saw, I, saw Der- I saw Derek Coleman tweet at you. So you're automatically lying to us right out, out of the gate <laughs> if you're saying it's us. Der- Derek, that was kind of funny when he did that. Because, um, you know, Derek and I, we go back a ways. We have a, right. we have a little bit of a history together. I covered Derek um, back when he was a little meaner, surlier. But now he's like a little bear. Um, you softened him up over the years. That's what you did. No, uh, I didn't. Um, you know, a guy I covered early in my career when I started out in Nashville, Tennessee, right out of college, and I was covering some small college basketball and Belmont, which is now Division One. Back then, Belmont was NAIA, and uh, the the coach then was the coach who was the coach up until about a year or two ago, Rick Bird. And Rick Bird obviously turned Belmont into just an amazing program at the Division One level. But back then. He was just a very young head coach, and it was neat because as a kid growing up in Knoxville, Tennessee, Rick Bird's dad was named Ben Bird, and he was the columnist for one of the Knoxville newspapers. And yeah, I think I remember the name of his column was Bird's Eye View, hmm. which was you know the clever sort of name she gave to columns back then. <laughs> and so there I was. I mean, I grew up reading Ben Bird, and then my first job out of college, I'm covering his son. Uh, and his son's basketball team. And uh, Rick Bird reached out to me. Um, he, he saw it and uh, uh, he, he still knows uh, some, uh, he knows my cousin uh, down in Nashville and my cousin had let him know. And uh, so I heard from Rick and that was pretty cool hearing from a guy who you, you know, I last covered his team 35 years ago. <laughs> So did you get a phone call or how does it work? Is it something that you knew they don't have was David coming? Baker come around for you guys too, right? The the NFL Hall of Fame guy who right. imposes his will <laughs> on his inductions. That would have been cool. That would have been great. I, you know, I, but no, you you get a phone call and uh, mine came from Shannon Ryan, 
um, you know, a really a longtime writer, and now she's an editor with The Athletic, but she's been in Philadelphia and Chicago, and uh, she's uh, the Basketball Writers Association president this year. And uh, so she called me, and I actually thought she was calling me for another reason. I had reached out to her about a week or two earlier, offering my help, knowing that late in the season is when a lot of the, the duties get kind of big and they start weighing on you and you, you don't have time for them, but that's when they happen. You know, there's different committees and conference calls. And I had reached out to her and saying, hey, listen, I remember what it was like when I was president of the organization. If you need anything, let me know. I'm happy to join a committee, you know, if you need people. So, yeah, when I saw her name pop up on my phone, I figured, ah, Shannon is taking me up on my offer. Look what I just got myself into. Uh, she's going to put me on some sort of ad hoc committee. Um, and then she just started talking about the Hall of Fame. And I thought, oh, she's putting me on the Hall of Fame committee. That's always fun. And then when she, I was, it was finally getting clear to me what she was saying, that I was going to be part of this year's class. And I remember distinctly, I, I, I asked, I, I said, are you sure? <laughs> because I still wasn't quite understanding why she was calling and I didn't believe it. And, you know, it's, it's, but it's a great honor and I'm very humbled by it. And um, it's been a lot of fun hearing from a lot of people. That's been the best part so far is, is how many people I've heard from and people that have reached out and, uh, you know, hearing from players I covered, coaches, uh, you know, former colleagues, uh, former students. <laughs> um, it's all been, it's all been a lot of fun. Well, certainly a well-deserved honor and we appreciate you taking some time with us. Two of your former students, I believe you were, were you a, a Mike Water yep. student as well, Tim? Oh, of so, course. Uh, I, I, one of my favorite classes at Syracuse. It is I'm not one just of saying the, that cause you're here yeah. at Mike. It is yeah, one of are. the best classes because when you get Brent Axe on your next year, you'll be telling Brent Axe he was your favorite professor. No, 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 no. <laughs> Occasionally, I'm on a, I go on with uh, Stephen Fonte, and he was one of my old professors too. And, and I always bust his chops a little bit because he, he didn't give me a grade that I thought I deserved in that class. So uh, <laughs> I got the grade I deserved in Mike Waters' class. He is a fair and honest professor. Um, <laughs> but... Um, no, but like everything, like between the, the people what we're learning you... is it's Tyler, Tyler's loyalty can be bought by giving him a good grade. <laughs> right. Well, no, exactly. I think you gave me a B that's the thing is, and, and guess what? I think I deserved a B looking back at some of my work in that class. I think I got a, a deserved B in that class. No you weren't way. Just, you weren't you just handing out A's willy like that. Um, if, if you go back and check your, I have, your... the records are within an arm's reach. I can get them. I think you're lying. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, just like the experience that you had in that class between bringing in some former players, like I know you brought Matt Rowan to my class, um, establishing uh, um, the Florida State um, SID. What, remind me, what is his name? Chuck Walsh. He's one Chuck of the Walsh, best in the business. The yeah. best in the business. It, like establishing that relationship. I know Drew Carter, uh, who is in the class with me, he's now calling games with the ACC Network. He sees Chuck Walsh like every other week. And, and he, he's sending us all this stuff, Chuck Walsh stuff. Like, look at these handwritten notes he gave me. Like, he is the best, one of the best. Um, so just establishing that relationship as well. Um, always cool and just learning some stuff. So certainly a, a fantastic class. For any Syracuse students that may be listening to this, you have to take – Mike Water sports writing <laughs> class. It is a must if you are uh, a Syracuse journalism student. So uh, I, I do want to put that out there. Uh, getting I look into to a classroom filled with uh, faces next fall. That'll be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
So getting into the the Syracuse team this season and sort of what's what's become of it. Obviously, not the season a lot of people expected this year. I think people had some higher aspirations. You're on the brink of potentially being a, a sub-500 team for the first time ever in Jim Beheim's career. Um, certainly some time to, to change some of that, but are you surprised that this team is where they are right now? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I guess when you see it actually take place on the court, you're like, oh, well, now I get it. Um, before the season, I think I overestimated. Uh, I thought they would be a little bit better defensively, especially early on. You know, they really struggled defensively in November, December. You know, the losses to Colgate and Georgetown were all about defense. Um, you know, I knew they were lacking some athleticism compared to some past uh, teams. But I thought with their size, you know, Cole Swider being a lot taller than Alan Griffin, Jimmy Beheim being a little taller than Quincy Garrier, that they'd make up for some of the lack of athleticism with their size you know, their length and just also their basketball IQ. And, you know, Cole being a fourth year player, Jimmy being a fifth year guy. Um, that wasn't the case. That didn't happen. That didn't play out the way I thought it might. And is that, I don't think that's anybody's fault, but my own, I, you know, I missed on that. I, I overestimated um, that the, the height and length would be able to make up for because, you know, they just, you know, they, they don't get out the shooters the same way that the past, uh, iterations of, of the Syracuse team have, um, you know, when you look at like some players like Buddy, Joe, Cole, Jimmy, individually, they're all fine. They can play. But when you put four guys and all of them are a little lacking in terms of athleticism, then all of a sudden you're going to have some issues, right? Both in, we, we mentioned defense, but even on the offensive end, yeah, you've got a lot of great shooters, but you don't have anybody in the team who's a break down your defender guy, who's a blow by it sort of guy. I mean, you know, when like Buddy gets into the lane and gets in there, he still hasn't gotten by his defender most of the time. Right. He's still having to shoot over somebody. He's good at making that shot, but that's a tough shot for a 10 to 12 footer in the lane when you're still shooting over a defender. Jimmy Beheim, very unorthodox, clever, you know, can get his moves in the paint but he's still always shooting over somebody. Um, so, you know, you don't get that breakdown artist. you know, like, you know, we've seen guys in the past, Michael Carter, Williams, Johnny Flynn, even like a scoop Jardine, you know, guys who could take their guy off the dribble and create uh, for both themselves and for others. And so I think the teams lack that. And, you know, they've still shown they can put points on the board. That's been fun. You know, they've beat Wake Forest, which is having a great year. Uh, they had Miami beat down there. I know they didn't finish it off, but Miami's another top five team in the league, and you had them beat on their home court. You had Wake beat on their home court. You did beat them here. So it's a team that on a given night can play with pretty much anybody. Uh, they've been in a lot of their games. There's only been a couple where they got blown out. So they're close. They're right there. But unfortunately, I think, you know, especially – a couple of those bad early losses to Georgetown and Col Colgate coupled with a really difficult non-conference schedule where you lose two in the Bahamas, Villanova is a tough matchup. I mean, you know, so uh, that you really had a tough go of it early on. And then by the time you really figured some things out, uh, now you're into the heart of the ACC and it's just tough to win, uh, you know, 
and, and catch up when you're when you're making up for that hole you dug yourself back in November, December. Yeah, I think in hindsight, it maybe wasn't the best year for that non-conference schedule that they had, or as tough as as it was in the non-conference slate. We'll get into some stuff with Frank and Jesse Edwards in just a second. But first, it's that time of the year where everyone's pretty much given up on all of their New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to it. Tim's sticking to it because we have Built Bar in our life. It's almost like you're not really making a resolution because they're so enjoyable and tasty. Have you ever tried the Puffs, too? They're the best of the Built Bars, in my opinion, as well. They're the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, and they're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% chocolate. Whether you like the yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, mm. banana cream pie, all of them so good, they're bound to be your new favorites. So go to built.com, scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away by the specs, the stats on these two. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar where you're hovering around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste, and they make it taste delicious first. Then they figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how they pull it off, but they do every single time. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Last game, we see Frank Anselm at starting center because Jesse Edwards is out. He has 15 rebounds, plays pretty well, stays out of foul trouble for the most part. Were you surprised at all about how effective Frank was being thrusted into that starting center role? A little bit. Uh, yeah. I mean, 15 rebounds is a heck of a lot of rebounds. <laughs> I mean, you got to go back two full seasons to find Barama Sidibe getting 15 against North Carolina um, in the 20 season. That's the last time a Syracuse center had as many as 15 boards. I mean, he did a great job, mostly on the defensive boards. You know, the key was he stayed out of foul trouble, as you mentioned. And that's what really surprised me. Um, you know, he can play a little defense. He can rebound for you, uh, which he did. But you figured a young center in his first start going up against a Keve Aluma, you know, he's going to get into foul trouble. Aluma's uh, going to be an issue. Um, he's going to be, you know, trying to recover because of the way Virginia Tech moves the ball. He'll be out of position once or twice and get one of those fouls where he's, you know, trying to get back into position like all young centers do. And, you know, you can go back in history. I mean, Natan Thomas, he was one of the greatest centers in Syracuse history. But I'm, I'm here to remind people, as a freshman, Natan couldn't get off his warm-up jacket without committing a foul for a while. I mean, <laughs> You know, he would get in foul trouble. Craig Forth got into foul trouble as a freshman. You know, it was when Craig was a sophomore, they went to the title game. When he was a freshman, they were lucky you had Jeremy McNeil around to take up some minutes. I mean, um, Daryl Watkins got into foul trouble. I mean, they all do. Fab Mello was a freshman. So for Frank, I think he played 37 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Listen, that is the biggest thing they're going to want out of Frank going forward. They don't. 15 rebounds is gravy. If he can just stay out of foul trouble and stay on the floor, because if not, then you got to go to, you know, a hobbled Barama Sidibe and hope he can give you minutes, or then you're going small. And, you know, Frank's going to have some difficult matchups coming up with, you know, Duke and Mark Williams comes to the dome. You know, of course, it's not just Mark Williams, it's Theo John and Paolo mm -hmm. Banquero and a lot of big guys. Uh, North Carolina, you got to go to Chapel Hill and, you know, they got Armando Bacot, who's like, what, 6'11", 200 and 
60, 80 pounds. I don't Waiting know. Double, conference double and rebounds. Every yep. Every he's time a tough one, right? It's crazy. Good luck staying out of foul trouble when he's your assignment. So, you know, but the next couple of games maybe gives Frank a, a chance to kind of continue to get his feet wet and, you know, get comfortable out there. You know, Boston College and Georgia Tech, neither one have a real dominant big man. Uh, so, you know, the job one, stay out of foul trouble and stay on the floor. And then job two, I guess, would be keep your fingers crossed that Barama can give him some minutes. Yeah, so something that people have brought up with Frank now that he went out there and had success in that first game, especially by standards that were maybe set for him in, in that first game and the first start that he had, people want to know what a Jesse and Frank lineup would have looked like with Frank at the four, Jesse at the five. Tim and I internally make the same face that you just made for anyone watching on YouTube. <laughs> we, we are in the camp that it wouldn't work. It, it's something you get too jumbled in the paint. It probably takes away from a lot of what Jesse's success would have been this year offensively. I don't see it working. However, if one of those two could develop an 18 footer, maybe that changes the conversation a little bit, but what are, exactly are your thoughts on a potential Frank and Jesse lineup being out there as the four and the five, because in this era of college basketball that we live in, I think Frank's going to go out there and probably show that, and to no fault of his own because Jesse's had the season that he's had, but he probably can start somewhere else if he wants to. And in the transfer portal era, he could go and find another place to play if he wanted to. And at a certain point, he's going to need to get his minutes. So what are your thoughts on a Jesse and, and Frank four five lineup? Well, it can't work this season and it couldn't yeah. have, even when Jesse was, was <laughs> mm -hmm. healthy, as you alluded to, you know, they're basically the same sort of guy. I mean, Jesse's a little bit more advanced offensively. Frank's not. Uh, you know, Jesse's scoring 12 points a game, but, you know, you look at where he's taking the bulk of his shots. They're all around the rim. They're dunks, mm -hmm. they're layups, they're tip-ins. Uh, every once in a while, he might fire off a 12 to 15 footer, but it, when he takes it, listen, even the most ardent Syracuse fan is like hoping it goes in, not expecting mm -hmm. it to. <laughs> Frank doesn't take any of those shots. So like when Jesse's running those pick and rolls, with Joe and Buddy in recent games before his injury, and that pick and roll was working so well, like the North Carolina State game stands out, where mm -hmm. that pick and roll was just so successful. It never works if Frank's on the floor because Frank's defender would be waiting right there in the paint near the basket because yep. there's no – Frank could go stand in the corner and his man's not following him. You know, Frank's defender is going to be clogging up that middle. And then vice versa, if you tried to run something for Frank, there's not – Listen, if Jesse Edwards wants to take a 15-footer, the other team's going to let him. What they're not going to do is they're not going to let Frank, you know, get an open pick and roll, you know, go to the basket shot. He would be met by the other team's five uh, and probably not get very far. So it just wouldn't have worked this year. And can it work in the future? Well, it all depends on one or, one or both of those guys expanding their game and really developing – a shot, you know, further from the basket that would force teams to keep their defender out there. That you know, like the team right now that Jesse was playing on, no one could leave Joe. You know, you leave Joe open, he's going to make the three. Same with Buddy. Same with Cole, and even Jimmy Beheim, you leave him yeah. open. Mm -hmm. So that's why you, you, they spread that floor, and they just let Jesse just set that screen and roll quick. And once Jesse learned how to roll to the basket. That's when it really worked. I mean, <laughs> for a little while, Jesse would set that screen, turn, pause, wait. What am I supposed to do? Oh, that's right. I'm rolling to the basket. And by then, defenders have they've done their job hedging. 
They're, you know, they've, they've stopped the guard on the roll. The guards man catches up and now the fives, you know, back in position and Jesse can't roll to the basket, or at least as he tries to, his defenders between him and the basket. But man, once he figured that out, that was a, that was a deadly combination there, him and Joe or him and buddy, but now it's going to take some time. Um, you know, I, I haven't even seen, you know, warmups where I see Frank taking anything beyond, you know, a 12 to 15 footer. It's that that's yeah. going to be heavy off season work for him to develop that. I certainly hope he doesn't leave. Obviously. I mean, I think it's helped Syracuse next season to have a two headed monster in the middle. And I think Frank, you know, maybe, you know, he doesn't start because Jesse's in front of him, but I think he can expand his minutes as Jim Beheim gains more and more trust in him. And he has a golden opportunity here over the last month or so of the season uh, to show what he can do and, and to like really set himself up for, for next season now, but you're right. You mentioned the portal guys don't have to sit out anymore. Um, could there be somebody trying to tempt him to leave? A- absolutely. But you know, from what I hear, when I gather Frank really likes it here, he likes it at Syracuse. He likes the program. He's gets along with all his teammates. Um, you know, does he really want to disrupt that? Because, you know, eventually Frank will get his time here. Um, and it might actually work out for him because you really don't want to step in and like have your time come before you're ready. Mm-hmm. So do you really want to be starting right now and like you're in foul trouble all the time and uh, have everybody see your, your, your negatives. So we'll, we'll see what he does in this day and age, man. I, I'm still kind of getting caught up to the, the, the portal. Age. It, it's hard <laughs> really retrain your brain like no he's not gonna leave he'd have to sit out one year and then he'll be gone and then you know whatever so who knows We'll dive into some Benny Williams stuff in just a second. But, hey, football might be over, but basketball is in full swing for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the final days of Olympic coverage and information as well. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and learn about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Well, what about with Benny Williams? Because I feel like, you know, in a different era, there's been so many freshmen like this that have come in high expectations. They've struggled. And then their sophomore year, you can go down a list of five or 10 at Syracuse that really exploded and had great sophomore years. But now the concern becomes because we are in that transfer portal era. Is he going to stay for that sophomore year? What are your thoughts on just long-term? If he were to come back at Syracuse, could he be one of those guys that takes a leap next year? I tell you what, if, if I'm Benny Williams and I think I'm good, or if I think I'm going to be a good basketball player, I wouldn't leave Syracuse right now. I mean, the reason you're not playing right now is you're not ready. You know, this shot still needs a lot of work. Um, Yeah, it's been tough. I I, I sympathize with guys coming off the bench and trying to get things done in limited minutes. I really do. It's really hard when you know uh, you're out there, uh, you're out there for a a limited amount of time, even if you do everything right, because eventually Cole Swider's coming back in, right? you know, there's only so long the starter will stay on the bench, but it gets worse when you think if I make a mistake or two, I'm looking over my shoulder, thinking, you know, I'm going to get yanked because 
coach just doesn't quite trust me yet the same way he does the starters. And I, yeah, that happens and that's hard. So I sympathize with them. But if you think you're going to be good and you think you're going to develop into that type of player, Syracuse's system is the perfect system for that type of forward. And yeah, you can go somewhere else and, and they, you know, other places can help you out and, and, you know, they'll, they'll play you or whatever, but you know, you don't want to be, you know, going somewhere else and finding out you're not quite ready there either. I would want to continue my development in the program that wanted me. And um, God, man, with his athleticism, I think eventually when he gets time on the floor and maybe another off season, he's going to be a great defender. I think he can be great in the zone. I mean, the offside, the weak side help block shots uh, could be off the charts. He, he, when I see him do some of those blocks off the weak side, it reminds me of Wes Johnson back in 2010. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what a weapon on defense. He's got to improve offensively too. Um, you know, there's got to be a lot of work done in the offseason on that shot and his offensive confidence as well. Um, but that can happen here as well as anywhere else. I mean, right now you look at it, Jimmy Bayheim's unless he – applies for and gets a waiver from the NCAA, he's done. He's, this is his last year. Cole Swider theoretically could come back, but he's indicated coming into the season it would be his last. So there's at least one, if not two, starting forward jobs available. I mean, yeah. I always hear these young guys talk about betting on themselves, right? That's why they go pro early. I'm betting on myself. I, the, I first heard it when Dion Waiter said it, right? <laughs> betting on himself. Surprise to no one. So bet on yourself. Come back to Syracuse. It, you know, it almost seems like it's not betting on yourself because you're not really taking a leap, right? But in a sense, you are. You're saying, you know what? I am good enough. I'm going to make it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm good enough to play at Syracuse in the ACC level. So we'll see. I, I, I have a lot of uh, optimism for for Benny's future. I really do, because uh, I see a kid that's still working hard, um, a very upbeat, positive attitude. Um, that's all, those are all good signs, at least from the outside looking in. Yeah. You bring up the, the character of the kid. I mean, it, it is off the charts from what you see. It, it is. And, yeah. And, yeah, exactly. It, it, like yeah. there are a lot of kids, especially ones who were rated as highly as he would, who probably would have entered the portal by now. Like it, we've seen it happen, <laughs> right? Guys check out around Christmas break. Sometimes it happens, but for him to still give it all he's got. And, and you hear guys like Cole talk about him and, um, and Cole's been around. I mean, there's a somewhat similar situation. He was around when he was at Villanova as a freshman with Javon Quinterly. And he goes out and is posting stuff on social media about this was my second school for a reason, my second choice for a reason. Like it shows the character of the kid. And I think that's a very important thing that you brought up there, but for you, why do you think it hasn't clicked? Because you think about some guys who maybe weren't in his exact position per se, but we've seen it click for freshmen, whether it's someone like O'Shea Brissett, who was a starter as a freshman. Uh, Marek was playing his best basketball at the end of uh, his freshman season. Even like you want to go back recently, Bryson Goodine, he got a, a game winning tip in a, a, in a game to, to win a basketball. It didn't really game. for him though, right? I mean, it, it didn't took really click per se, but like yeah. he had a moment. He had a moment, but we haven't really seen Benny have the moments per se this year. Occasionally he has the splash, but just to be in at the end of a game too, I think is something that we haven't really seen a whole heck of a lot about of Benny. Why hasn't it clicked for him this year? Well, you mentioned O'Shea. O'Shea started from day one. You know, I think also he was a little bit more accomplished and more developed, especially with his shot. 
Um, but he was starting from, from day one. And so you get a chance to, to be out there, play through mistakes, uh, gain confidence. Um, you know, Marek, you know, he had an opportunity come along where he was getting a lot of minutes off the bench and basically started out playing the guy ahead of him. You know, Matthew Moyer was in his redshirt freshman year. It's not like Marek didn't have a, a Jimmy Bayheim in his sixth year of college or a Cole Spider in his four, fourth or fifth year ahead of him, you know? He had a redshirt freshman, Matthew Moyer, ahead of him. And then he starts out playing, and then Matthew also got an injury, and Marek was ready for his opportunity. Marek also was in a very limited role, if we go all the way back to his freshman year. You know, he had guys like Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett, and um, was Elijah Hughes that year? or No. I think he uh, was a redshirt Frank that Howard. year. Yeah. Frank, Frank Howard. Howard yep. Yeah. So he had a lot of other guys taking you know care of it. And also that was a very defensive-oriented team. Marek could play defense. That's all he was asked to do. That that team was winning games 65-63. So, you know, with Benny this year, I think it goes back. I don't think offensively and with his shot, he was really ready to give them big minutes. Because if you're out there in that role, uh, you have to be able to knock down a shot. Um, especially when you have veterans like Cole and, and Jimmy that are going to be in your starting lineup and getting the minutes. And, you know, Again, it's just it's really, really hard to play in limited time. The guys I've seen do the best in that limited time off the bench are always older guys. Uh, yeah. They're comfortable in the role. They're able to handle it. Uh, or if it's a younger kid, it's a kid who is being asked only to do a couple, these, you know, a couple little things. Benny's best moments are when he hasn't worried so much about the offense and just plays defense and rebounds. And when he gets pulled, more often than not, it's when he blows a defensive assignment or is out of position somewhere on defense, right? Or, or like the other day on an inbounds play. He doesn't get pulled for almost anything offensively because they're not expecting him to do that. So, again, I think he's just making uh, some mistakes because of inexperience, uh, not a chance to stay out there for a little bit and get into a rhythm. And, I, again, I, I can't tell you what these guys go through who are the really great, great ones that start and play all the time. My limited high school experience was as a, was a guy who came off the bench. And I, so I simply, again, I go back, I sympathize with guys who come off the bench. Maybe this is just a big excuse for me on my part, why I wasn't any good in high school, because I was saying it was really hard to do anything in two minutes time. Right. But it's true. I mean, it's really hard. And I think it's hard for a freshman. I think I see him pressing a lot. Um, I just think he needs he needs the time of an off season to work on things and work with coaches and get better and you know off season you get stronger in the weight room you're going to get more confident you, you play a little bit better in pickup games you get more confident it's the stuff we heard about Jesse Edwards all last season you know so and we got to remind ourselves Jesse's a junior this year right. um, we'll see where Benny can be as a sophomore we've seen it you guys mentioned it. Michael Carter-Williams, guys, he hardly saw the floor as a freshman. He had Brandon Trish and Scoop Jardine ahead of him. Um, so, you know, that wasn't going to happen. He had Deion Waiters on that team. You know, so Michael Car but second year, Michael Carter-Williams is so good as a sophomore, at least for the NBA. So we've seen this happen. And there's guys on this coaching staff who can talk to Benny. You know, Demetrius Nichols, who's, you know, their grad assistant right now, he didn't play a whole hell of a lot as a freshman. But look at what he became in his in his especially both his upper class years. Alan Griffin was a starter as a sophomore, got benched as a junior, was coming off the bench, limited minutes, awful year. If there was a portal back then, Alan probably's gone. 
but instead he sticks around and is like full-time starter leader of the team as a senior. So it's to Benny's benefit that he's around guys. And it's, it's kind of funny. You, you think of Demetrius Nichols as the guy who was like one of the best three-point shooters in Syracuse history. And I think he's top 20 or top 25 on the all-time scoring list, but you forget he struggled too. So Demetrius and, and Allen can talk to Benny about that struggle and, and how they work through it. So we'll see. You keep your fingers crossed that he's willing to put in a really lot, a good, a lot of work in the off season. Yeah. I'm optimistic about his future as well. All right. Our thanks to Mike Waters. He'll be back tomorrow. We'll get into some recruiting stuff for the class of 2022. What is this class going to look like? Can they turn things around overnight for Syracuse and get this team back into the tournament next year? Also, He's got some great Jim Beheim stories, just some great stories from his time on the beat. And that's what happens when you have 30 plus years on the same beat. So he will get into some of his favorite stories from his Hall of Fame career tomorrow as well. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We'll talk with Mike Waters again tomorrow. Tomorrow.